children do not come with directions. If you haven't realized this already, no matter the age, you could have one child or 10 and not one is the same. Each person has their own likes, dislikes, and ways of doing things. What one child responds to, the other may not. So welcome to It Wasn't in the Manual, The Art of Parenting Your Own Way. This panel discussion is all about hearing each other, sharing perspectives and stories, and gathering as a community in this journey called parenthood. Welcome to the space. What we are called is It Wasn't in the Manual, The Art of Parenting Your Own Way. This space is all about starting to open up conversations so we can normalize life circumstances as we navigate this world called parenting. Today, two moms are talking to a dad and a husband to hear the guy's perspective on parenthood and marriage. And I cannot wait for this conversation with Thomas Thomas Edwards, um, being the father, um, who is the marriage wingman. So this is going to be a really inspiring conversation. And he is the perfect male father, dad, husband to talk about this topic, being a dad and being a husband, because he is completely willing to be open and vulnerable and trusting in the space. So we're waiting for him to come on. But my um, partner in crime in all of this is Kiosha LaFleur Anders. Do you have anything else to add? Well, sure. So my name is Kiosha LaFleur Anders, as Hollis said. I almost forgot my last name. I was like, what is my last name? <laughs> I, uh, my husband and I have five children. We have four boys and a girl. And no, I think you described it like perfectly. It, it really is that, right? All children are different. I've been having this conversation all day about what we're doing, which is really giving parents um, an opportunity to give themselves permission to parent their own way. Each kid requires something differently, you know, just to kind of embrace the process. Yeah. Yes. That, that really is embracing and to forgive ourselves and just not be so hard on hard on ourselves all the time because parents were not perfect. (laughs) We're going to screw up. That's just a fact. We really are. Uh, And it's just a matter of navigating. And what we're creating here is this community. Mm -hmm. So Thomas, come on up to the stage. Yeah, awesome. So uh, my name is Thomas Edwards. Um, I am the founder of The Marriage Wingman, which helps struggling dads learn how to get their swag and their wives back so they can save their marriage and keep their families together. I am the proud girl dad of a one soon-to-be six-year-old daughter um, (laughs) and have been married with my amazing wife for going on nine years. And we've been together for almost 14, which is more than a third of my life. So (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, so I'm just really grateful to be here. (laughs) So I'm so excited for Kiyosha to be here. Kiyosha, what did you want to say? No, I was just going to, 14 years is a long time. I get it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's beautiful though. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, when you're, when you're with someone that long, you probably know more than you should know that person. And so. (laughs) Well, actually in talking about it, it's funny because my husband and I were just talking before I jumped on the podcast and 
it's like not to sound too old, but we've been together for uh, I think it's like 32 years. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. Wow, which, yeah, it's which amazing. Is crazy to me because I think we got together when we were I was 22. So it, it's kind of like that many years, and we still are figuring things out for each other. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's still like it's in the very beginning. So this whole idea of this topic of being a husband, being a wife, sometimes I'm still like, why the hell does he do that? Like, I, I still don't understand. <laughs> so uh, confusing. Yeah. Which is, and I'm, I know, I'm like, I know there's a ton of things that bug the hell out of you about me. And there's still things that bug me, you about whatever. You know, we get it on each other's nerves, but we know that there's the baseline of love. Yeah. And um, where it's coming from. So with this topic, Thomas, you're, why don't you... Um, with being a dad and being a husband, you're the perfect guy to be talking about this with because you're, you've been through it. This is what you do. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. willing to be vulnerable and all of this. So why don't you tell people a little bit about what you've done, kind of like a, um, a summarized version, and then we'll kind of jump into this topic. More. Yeah, absolutely. You know, listen, you know, gr growing up, I, I just thought that the move was to get married, to get a great job, make a lot of money, save said money, uh, you know, meet the one, get married, like have a kid or two, right? And like just this is what was told to me as like the program. And I tried really hard to like fulfill that, not knowing that that, that it wasn't completely what I wanted. It, it wasn't my idea to have all these things, if, if that makes sense. And But, you know, when I created my first coaching company, The Professional Wingman, I mean, I created it at 23 years old. I was single. I was loving it. I was like solely focused on building a, a brand and a business and just an empire. And then literally like a couple months in, I, I meet my now wife. <laughs> and... You know, it was great. Like I, I still went after it and I still was able to create a successful business. But what happened to me was when I hit that climax of real success, I mean, I'm talking money, a little bit of fame. I had my, you know, I, I had my wife. This is the words I was using back then. Um, I was not happy. I was not fulfilled. And that caught me off guard. Because I thought this was the program that may would lead me to happiness. And it did not. And it led me down a, a very dark path of just depression and identity crisis and drug and alcohol abuse. And just, I completely just like a total arsonist, like put my life on fire and tried to burn everything to the ground. And what was left of that was just still me, you know, with, left with the ashes of what was my life. And I almost lost everything. I almost lost my wife, I almost lost my family. I mean, I almost lost my life. You know, it was, it was that dark. And I had to find ways to push through the other side and with some, with support and, um, you know, a wife who wanted to be there, but didn't know if I was going to be there. Um, you know, it, it, I was able to fortunately get to a point where I had my own, you know, spiritual experience and awakening and, and was able to uh, overcome the dark, dark demons of the past. But it, but after that, it still left me with this burning question of like, how do I live a life that's fulfilling? And how do I do so in a way that can also allow me to be present as a husband and as a father? 
you know, and, and still maintain like a sense of connection to myself as, as Thomas or, you know, if I'm talking to my little child, my inner child, Tommy. And so I set forth on a path to really first discover what makes me happy, which is playfulness. <laughs> so video games or anything that allows me to actually just be in a place of play because it just, playfulness for me taps into a, a, a level of performance that is next level for me. And you know, studies have shown that playfulness can be used in that way to really bring out elite performance out of people. Um, it's not just sports that brings the best out of people. It, it, it can happen. We see it with our kids. Our kids play and they develop and they learn at exponential rates. And so I just decided to apply that as an adult. And when I found a way to use my methodology and my background in video game design and development to create a, a methodology that allows you to gamify anything, while I was trying to pursue being able to apply that, use this methodology inside of businesses, what actually ended up happening was I was getting a lot of feedback for people who wanted to learn how to reconnect with their wives because they were losing them due to the same program that I was living by, which was if I just could be a provider and if I could just create a world of success, then everyone would be happy. And the truth is, in today's world, that's not enough. And guys aren't equipped, like I wasn't equipped at the time, to figure out how do I bring more to the table than just my, my ATM? <laughs> mm. and, and so um, that set forth another journey, not just for me, but also with my clients, is I tried to basically turn this into a gamified marriage, where I literally just made you know marriage a game. And inside of that, I was able to come across so many different solutions, so many different ways of being able to create deeper sense of communication, a deeper sense of trust, even when trust was almost non-existent, and then a greater level of intimacy where, I mean, when you put those three things together, you have the formula of a, a marriage that is built to withstand the test of time. And once I started giving this kind of formula to my clients, they forgot about the work that they were doing because they went all in on their, their, their families and they were able to save their marriages. They're able to keep their families together. But more importantly, their kids were able to see what it's like to heal a, an emotionally charged relationship and now have it be healthy. And the ripple effect of such things can go across generations. You know, when I look at my my life and and my marriage with my with my beautiful wife, my daughter has gotten to see the healing that has taken place with the both of us. And now she gets to see what a healthy relationship looks like. It doesn't mean that it's always great, but she gets to see how we handle it in a healthy way. And that just kind of plants the program in her mind that not only that she has the capacity to have such relationships, to communicate in such ways with other people, but she also has a dad that can represent the gold standard for other men and other masculine energy that she chooses to have in her life. And I'm not talking about just like in a romantic sense, I'm talking about in every sense, whether it's a teacher, a, a, a mentor, a friend, a colleague, whoever. Uh, I get to represent that gold standard for her. And, and I just I don't take that lightly. It's, it's, it's something that I once it hit me, I've never forgotten it. And um, to be able to help other dads become that leader for their family again, but just in a completely different way that they thought they were supposed to. Yeah. And to represent that standard for their kids, it's it's the most fulfilling experience of that, that I, I've felt 
since back in the days when I was working with single guys, helping them find love and and and, and in relationships. And so, um, it's been an amazing journey. And and here's a fun fact, you know, for me, um, you know, the professional wingman when I was doing you know helping singles find love has been responsible for almost 400 marriages, which is amazing wow. over 14 years. Uh, zero of them have resulted in divorce. Now, I didn't know this at the time until I started to look backlog and track data. But when I saw that, realized that, that, that number, I thought to myself, well, I must be doing something right. <laughs> like maybe there's something here that I can you know, offer to struggling dads that can help them avoid the disaster of, of, of divorce and, and, and a broken family if that's something that they don't want. Um, now, listen, not every marriage is meant to, meant to, to last. You know, the gifts will still remain as their kids and, and the connections that they had. But if there is a hope and both are committed, or even if one's committed, sometimes that's all it takes. It can be enough to, to keep that family together and to, and to create the, the type of experience of marriage and family that they all, the whole family wants. So, Kiosha, what do you have to say? Because I've spoken to Thomas on a few occasions, so I was like, "You are gonna love him." So, yeah. Oh my gosh! What I what I mean, I just was really stewing. I started stewing really on the 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 first part of what you said because it's so true. Everything you said was so true, but I love how you mentioned um, this 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 kind of template or formula that was already set for you as a man, right? As long as mm-hmm. you provide, as long as you get the good job. And that's so very true that in society and in our families and our cultures, like period, just all across you know, the board, that's what is presented to men. I have, we have four boys. Um, the the presentation and i know my husband he's talked about this too like you think oh as long as i you know as long as i provide as long as i get this good job and i'm able to to get these things for my family and you know the things that people talk about they don't really talk about when it comes to men and in your role as a husband Mm. or um just being a man before you become a husband just Mm -hmm. just a man altogether they don't talk about those things that's like the real stuff. Yeah. Like the real yeah. things that you have to deal with, the way that you you should come into, which we all should, even as women, come into a relationship, um, not just with this idea of, oh, well, as long as I'm doing this, this, and this, it's good. No, there's like some real in between the cracks kind of stuff that, mm-hmm. yeah. that you don't realize. So I love that you said that. Yeah, the space between matters, you know, and uh, that's where the work takes place, you know. But here's the thing: I mean, my dad, you know, kind of, and my mom, right? Like they they presented me with this program at an early age because that was the program that they were told, and my my grandparents were given that program. And listen, for generations, that program actually worked. Right, yeah. so it's not like you know it's coming from a place where they didn't know what they were talking about, right? They, they that program actually worked because back in the day, in the you know before, let's let's say before the Great Depression, right? I mean, I mean, marriage, by the way, is still, from an institutional like covering kind of a, a, a legal standpoint, is is still a very young thing. I mean, it's been what four hundred plus years, so like. 
this whole thing and how the, the household operates, it's still pretty a, a fresh idea from a, kind of an organizational and legal standpoint. But that aside, I mean, most dads and moms had roles that they played, but it was still very family-centric. I mean, when agriculture was the number one source of, of, of uh, economic growth, dads would just go out into the backyard and their, you know, their kids would follow them. And then their dads would teach the kids how to kind of pass along the, the skill sets to keep this going. And then the mom would just be the kind of the homemaker, right? That was just kind of the accepted roles and no one had an issue with that. And then when the industrial age kicked in, it took that, it took the dad away from, from what they were doing. And now the mom had to take on a, a greater role. And then when the guys had to go to war, then the moms had to go to work. And then all of a sudden now they had to outsource their care, which turned into the boom of public education. And then when the guys came back from war, everyone thought it would just go back to what it used to be. But thank God women were like, no, this is great. We're going to keep doing this. <laughs> right? And then since then, it's just accelerated. But the problem is we have not educated guys and we have not taught guys or equipped guys with, the, with how to deal and I, and I use the term deal loosely because it's not really how to deal, right? It's how to, how to acclimate with the shift and the empowerment that women have experienced. And so no longer are the days where most women are looking for financial security at that level. They still desire it because it's important for the, you know, for the quality of a home. But it's not like they can't go out and create that for themselves. And now that that's something that's no longer necessarily the number one thing that's on the table, guys don't know what to do. And I don't blame them because they haven't been taught. Mm -hmm. I certainly wasn't. And the problem with all this is we're just left to figure it out. Like we're like, it's just assume that we're going to figure it out and it's going to work out. But as we've seen, it doesn't, we don't figure it out and it doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. It's, but you know what? This conversation is so needed. And Hollis and I have mentioned too, like we, um, cause I work primarily with women in the work that I, well, we were talking about how men need to be included in conversations and men also need support and encouragement and those and inspiration and those things too, because you're right. Mm -hmm. And always, I always kind <clears> of, <throat> touch back on conversations that I had with my husband because he I didn't grow up with my dad my my grandfather really took a, a primary role as father in my life but I didn't live with him he just was but he was always you know near for me to contact I didn't really get to know too much about like what a man actually looks like until I married mm -hmm. my husband mm -hmm. and he would have the conversations with me all the time and go Y'all are so lucky as as women because you know you have each other and y'all kind of but men are kind of left to figure it out. You you are just kind of like out there and just kind of like like as as a man, they're like no 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 you're not supposed to really feel what you're feeling. You're supposed to know and you're supposed to figure it out. So I think these type of conversations and what you're doing is so important because as our young men are growing up they can, I think it's okay to say to them, just like we say to women, hey, it's okay not to have it all together. Because for a man, if you say, if a man feels like he doesn't have it all together or he appears to not have it all together, then there's like this negative, like, oh my gosh, but you're a guy. 
for women, yeah. we give each other it's oh we give each other grace. Oh, it's okay mm-hmm. if you don't. So I think, oh my gosh, that whole like figure it out thing is so, so true. Yeah. So and, th- and it's been passed on from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. I grew I I'm first generation American born, having been raised by Caribbean parents, right? So like the the program of figure it out is still ingrained in me. I had to really beat it out of myself to be open to the idea that I can get support and that there's community available for men like me to to have that support and to not be judged or uh, admonished for my desire for support. Um, I, I think for, and I think this is one of the beautiful things about, about women is that women, when when they're open, can easily access community and can easily access support and are, are more willing to take a look at themselves and do the work in comparison to guys, right? And so guys don't have ease of access to community. They don't have ease of access support because they don't know how to ask for this type of support in a way that doesn't make them feel uncomfortable or feeling weak, you know? And we're not we're not predispositioned to look at, in, inside of ourselves and allow that level of vulnerability to take place to figure out what's there, you know? And, and that's, a, I think, a huge issue. That, and, and that's part of the reason why I do the work that I do, because I want guys to know that it's okay to, to have these questions and to have these thoughts and to have these feelings and that everything is valid. But how we behave is still a choice that we get to make and that we can make better choices and how we can define a better future for ourselves and our families. And some guys either don't know how to do that, they're either lazy or they're scared of, of those choices. And all those situations are okay, but they all have a solution. And so if you're able to acknowledge that there is a problem, then we can easily find the solution, you know? But it's really hard for us men to even admit that there's a problem. So I have a two-part question. Um, maybe it's three parts. So how how long were you married before you had, not to put you on the spot about that, but yeah. how, how, were you married before you had your daughter? Yes. Okay, so when you found out that you were gonna be a dad, first off, how old were you and how did that feel for you? Okay, so she was born May 10th, 2017, so 2016. So we were married for two years. Yeah, two years. We had just moved from New York to LA. Um, now, here's the thing. It's, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of silly, but I remember we were in like Beverly Hills because we, we were in Santa Monica, you know, in, in LA. And we had the conversation about you know, okay, I think it's time. Like we have the space. I think it's, it's really time to go. And I swear that like in that conversation, I think she got pregnant. Like, <laughs> like it just, like, I feel like, I feel like it happened just so quickly because, you know, we had spent maybe a couple of days together and then I went away for work for like three weeks. And then I come back and she's like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, with who? You know what I mean? Like, like, like what? Like, I wasn't here. So what happened? And then it, it just, but, uh, and it's really funny. We laugh about that all the time because it just happened so quick and, and that's just beautiful. But I will say, and, you know, make no mistake, you know, in that moment when it actually was true, like when it was legit and it hit me, it was the worst, best day of my life. And, <laughs> I, and, love that. and I, and I use it 
in that in that order in that way because you know it was the best day of my life because you know I, I've always wanted to be a dad since I can remember. I even remember talking about what imagining what fatherhood could be when I was a teenager. So that alone was like amazing. But what made it one of the worst days of my life is because this identity that I had created for myself uh, that I was holding on to that was also the the source of my my depression and darkness and pain died or wanted to die that day because I was going to now take on the identity of a father. And I really struggled with that. And so the way I, the way I used to talk about it is I spent the next two years uh, actively mourning the death of that, of that identity through drugs and alcohol and escapism. But I had a conversation a couple, a couple of weeks ago with a friend and, and he said, yeah, like you did mourn your death, but I think what you really did was you prolonged it two years. And it got to the point where God was just like, enough, like it's time for you to die. Like you need to just let this go. And then I had that final death, so to speak, of that identity. Um, and then like woke up a different person. Um, and so, you know, it's tough for it's it I, I reflect on this often because, you know, my my daughter doesn't remember like when I used to drink because she was still very young. And I actually, you know, for me did a really, I mean, one of the reasons why I actually hung in there in terms of my life was because of my daughter. So I have her to thank a lot for at least keeping me around long enough to get that spiritual awakening, you know? But if there's anything that I would change, if I, if I had the ability to change it without having to change everything else in my life, it was that I would have been sober throughout the entire experience of my daughter's existence. But that being said, like I needed, I clearly needed to have that experience to get to that point where God had to come in and to say enough, like you're done. You need to die and wake up as the man that you're supposed to be. And if I have to come in and intervene to do that, I'm going to do that. And he did. And I'm so grateful that he came in and did that. Um, Cause I don't know where I would be or if I would be here to, to have such a message to share. Did you want to say something, Kiosha? Uh-oh, can you guys hear me? I know she's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's getting ready to thunderstorm here in Texas, so everything's mm. not working. But um, I think that's beautiful. And you know what? God will do that, right? Mm -hmm. Allow things to happen to kind of wake us up, slow us down, get our attention. And I... I think that life is, gosh, I was just having this conversation today that it's, it's, that's why it's so important that we are present um, so that we can hear, so that we can see, so that we can, because I mean, when you are supposed to walk a certain path and walk in your purpose, I know for me personally, this has been my lived experience. Um, it's going to happen. Now, whether you, whether you, you know, sometimes, sometimes we have to get sh like the, the way that we get where we're supposed to be may not be what, how we plan to get there, mm -hmm. um, or how yeah. our attention is like, we have this, this dream, this goal, this, and sometimes we don't even have the dream or the goal, but we end up somewhere where we never thought we would be. Um, yeah. but when we're intentional and we're present, then we can Sometimes I think when we're not intentional, we're not present, we miss cues, we miss messages, we miss um, redirection. 
and some things happen where it's like, oh, nope, this is where you're supposed to go. And if I have to use this to get you there, that's how you're going to get there because I have this bigger purpose for you. So, yeah, that's just how, man, life, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, I wouldn't and, have it any other way, honestly. Right, same. And I think it's just really, uh, I really picked up on something that you said, Thomas, where um, you said roles that we play. And in what this is called, in the role of being a husband and being a dad, and you're a husband first, then there's the role of that. And then you said, then when the role of dad kicked in, even with just the words, you're going to be a dad, um, the best, worst day of your life. And then when we spoke initially and had our pre-chat that you said that the first year and a half you were very present as being a dad but you weren't a husband yeah absolutely yeah that that that, yeah that was absolutely accurate you know and and now after having many conversations with other dads like this is just what has been happening is you know, it's all hands on deck. Let's keep this baby alive. But it comes at the cost of forgetting that you are still a husband, right? That's still a role that you play. That is still a responsibility that you took on, you know, and being able to manage and, and quote unquote balance or harmonize or synergize with your wife to remind each other that it's still you two together and this child, you know, it, 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 it gets pretty uh, challenging, you know? And, um, you know, when my wife used to tell me that she felt alone, it would drive me nuts because I was like, how can you say I was alone, you were alone when I was there, you know? But, but now I understand because yes, I was there as a dad for my daughter, but I wasn't there as a husband for her. And, when when we had that conversation, it made it very clear to me that like I still play these roles. Like, yes, my my daughter is is everything to me, and that doesn't give me permission, or it doesn't justify or excuse me not having to show up as a husband anymore. You know. But but I think this is a really important conversation. This is where it goes back to the title of everything that we're doing. It wasn't in the manual because. Yeah this is a real topic that I don't know how much it really gets talked about is that when we bring a child into the world and like you said, it's a matter of, okay, all hands on deck, keep this human alive. And um, that's where a lot of the energy goes and it can vary whether it's your first or your second or your third, um, how that plays out. Uh, the first one, usually, you know, you're everything. You're just like, oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. how do I do this? And why do I do this? And I drop my kid and da da da. And I'm a horrible parent or what do I do? And, um, and then you might get more relaxed as you move on. But kids are, they're never the same. And different scenarios are going to come up with each child. So, and yeah, you're, you are often all hands on deck for a bit. And, it's that can happen. Whereas the spouse, you kind of lose track of each other. That's so true. Yeah. And you know what? That reminds me of my grandfather who I adored. And, but every time I talk about him, cause I, I mean, I'm grown now and very much so in touch with reality and, um, and what's real, but it kind of, it used to bother me, bother me when my mom would say this, but then 
as I got older, I, I really come to understand what she means, which was my grandfather was an amazing dad and an amazing grandfather, even. And it goes to show you that those roles, you have to nurture each one of them and and be in the moment in each one of them because just because you're a good dad does not mean you're a good husband and that's two, those are two different roles mm-hmm. and you can't neglect the partnership that you have with your wife and just show up for your children just like you can't just show up for your wife and neglect your children that's a lot to divide yourself because even like when hollis and i talk about it even with being a parent with multiple children Mm-hmm. You, then that's like one kid you have to deal with this way and the other kid you can't deal with them the same way even though that's one role you still have to be very intentional about how you're nurturing that relationship with that person yeah and um and so i i, I love that you brought that up because it's true and um you could play just a you could be so effective in one role but if you're not gosh i'm telling you life you there's so much about balance and juggling and maintaining and managing and and being creative in how you do it. Yeah. And that's why those three pillars are so important. Communication, trust, and intimacy. Because without those things, you don't get to hear. Like, for example, if I didn't like if I don't ask my wife what she needs from me, then I'll never be able to deliver what it is that she's looking for because I have no idea. I'll just be showing up trying to do all kinds of things and just getting in the way really right and it doesn't really make the experience of being a husband a, a, a wife to me <laughs> that fun right but if i were to ask her hey you know what can i do how can i support you today as as your husband and that's a that's something that we ask each other like to begin the day we just say what is one thing that you need support with and if we can deliver that, that's great. And sometimes it might be, hey, I need you to be more of a dad today. Or hey, I need you to I need you to check on me throughout the day. Like, good. Now I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And then there's no like miscommunication. There's no oh like um expectations or assumptions or anything like that. But the problem that I had was I wasn't asking these questions. I wasn't asking her, like, just tell me, like, tell me what's up. Tell me what you need. I was always trying to do things to try to make it seem like that I knew what she needed, but I had no clue. Which and is, that, I <laughs> and love that, I getting, that. And I was getting frustrated because she wouldn't show that appreciation for what I was doing. But the truth was, I wasn't doing the thing that was getting to her. And so, of course, she wouldn't show appreciation for it, right? And so, like, it just, it became this endless loop of, doing things but that i wasn't hitting it you know and it just yeah but i think that goes both ways so to Mm -hmm. you thomas of of just you know you're speaking from the dad's perspective also speaking it's what we do in a relationship is when we we get so often so caught up in those aspects of our roles of our parenting role that we lose the intimacy and we lose the communication and we forget to ask each other um you know, what do you need? And it's so true that we just kind of assume, well, they're going to need this and, you know, and they'll be good with that. And I remember when we had our first talk, um, you said, I can't talk to my wife the same way that I talk to other people. Yeah. So maybe oh explain gosh. that. Cause I thought that when you said that, I was like, <laughs> ding, 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 
that is yeah. true. Well, I, I mean, I used to talk to my my wife the way I would talk to everyone else because I was always told that I was a great communicator. Yeah, I was quote unquote a master communicator. I knew how to convey my ideas and speak to them in a way that people could understand. And I was easy to talk to and people were comfortable around me. So I I just thought that if I just spoke that way to my wife, that all would be well. <laughs> and the truth is, it wasn't, right? I wasn't actually talking to her the way she needed to be communicated with. And yes, we can talk about languages. That's one way to communicate, but it's more about that. It's actually just understanding like what's her essence? Like what how does her mind work? Like if I say certain words, am I saying certain words that are going to trigger something that that is is deeply rooted in something that then all of a sudden has nothing to do with me, but then I cause that spin to take place because I use that particular word. You know, like I, I wasn't aware and sometimes I still I still miss the boat from time to time. I'll just say something and I mean it from a very and you can always assume that I have a positive intention when I'm trying to say something. But even with that positive intention, it's the word sometimes that, that's communicated that gets her and all of a sudden now it, it's it's it becomes a very different conversation that we're having. And so what I had to learn was, you know, I can speak here and talk to you guys this way but i can't talk to my wife this way unless i know exactly what it is that she needs to hear in in, in to allow to open that dynamic of communication right and so one of the biggest lessons i've learned and this is what i coach my clients on is speak to your wife the way that she needs to be communicated with understand like what is her where does her mind go when you say certain things understand is she someone that's more pragmatic or is she someone that is, is more about context or is she more someone that's about the content does she like long-winded conversations or she just wants you to get straight to the point <laughs> right <laughs> does she need time to think about things before she comes back to you or does she want you to actually synergize before she then makes a decision right like she has to you have to know those type of things before you start to then just assume how to communicate to her. Because here's a great example. So when my wife, when I ask my wife how her day is, I'll sit there and I'll listen to her and she'll talk for about six to seven minutes. And I still don't really know how, how her day is. And before it used to frustrate me, I'm like, I want to know what's going on with your day. Like, I'm not really trying to really <laughs> understand all the things, right? But like, I just want to hear how your how your day. What did you do today? What did you have for lunch? Like that kind of thing. But then I realized that the way that she speaks and communicates how her day is speaks says everything about how she needs to be communicated with. She's all about the context. She's all about the feelings and and her and the feeling of her experiences and 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 all of that. Now, for me, if you were to ask me, I will definitely give you a you know, half hour by half hour rundown of like how my day went, but my wife doesn't want to hear that. She wants to hear how I felt throughout the day and what my experiences were in those feelings. And so I've had to learn to adjust how the way I communicate with her in that way. So when she asked me how my day was, the first thing that I say is, you know, I feel pretty accomplished. I feel proud. And I start with the feeling. So she gets an idea of like where I'm at energetically. And then I'll share a few details of what happened that allowed me to feel accomplished and proud. But if I don't share that, it's not going to connect with her. So that's a great example. <laughs> I, 
I want to respond to um, one of our listeners. Thank you for uh, typing in the chat box. He said, isn't it trying going through these mental gymnastics? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, it is. It is, you know. But that is when you choose to have a, a partnership with someone who you're sleeping with, who you're waking up with, who you're having hopefully like physical intimacy with, who you're sharing kids with, you're sharing a life. So the, the, the levels of the depth of communication and trust and intimacy has to be at an all time different level. Like if it's not and you're having it somewhere else, that's a problem, right? <laughs> like that's yeah. a problem, right? And so, problem. so there is a level of, of gymnastics, so to speak. But the truth is you're doing all this so your marriage can be fit, right? Like, and, and, to, and to understand like the definition of fit is the speed in which you recover from a challenge or a trauma. That's, that's what fitness really is, right? So like if your marriage is fit due to the, the mental gymnastics that you're pushing yourself through, then it makes it a lot easier for you to recover from setbacks and certain crises that can happen. That's what I mean by being able to withstand the test of time, right? Like it's because your marriage and, and the two of you are fit into handling how the marriage is. So here we go. So um, I'm guessing your first name is Damien and I apologize if I'm not uh, saying that correctly, but he said, but the gymnastics were not there before the marriage. Oh, of course they weren't. <laughs> there was, there was no reason for the gymnastics to be there because there was nothing at stake. There was nothing there was the, at stake. Yes. There was there nothing at stake. Yeah. There was nothing at stake, you know, like, it, once, once it doesn't really get real until you get to that depth of a relationship, then it gets really, really real. Right. And what I tell my clients all the time is where, where relationships go wrong is when you try to, when you go into the relationship trying to win. And then the moment you feel like you're about to lose something, you play the game to not lose. Now, if anyone watches sports, historically, that strategy just doesn't work. Right. Like if you if you come in with a strategy and you're winning and you're up big and all of a sudden because you're up big, you decide to play a different strategy, a strategy that you did not prepare for. All of a sudden now the other team comes back and then it's a close game for no reason. And then you're at risk of losing the game. Right. Like that's and you're and you're right, man. You're right, David. Like it is exhausting. Right. However, I'm coming from the place of someone who has a burning desire for perpetual growth. Right. And in that growth, there's endurance. Right. Like you're with the idea is you're going to be with some for, forever. Right. Like if I I'm 37 years old, I've been with my wife for 14 years. Right. If I let's say, you know, the, the life expectancy of mine is, let's say, 80. Right. So that means that I have 43 more years with my wife. Like, like I'm not even I haven't even gotten started. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like when I really look at that timeline, like I haven't even gotten started. Right. Yeah. And so I hear you, man. It, it is enduring. Like it, it can be exhausting for sure. And it's okay to communicate it. Right. It's okay to communicate. You know what, man? Like this is tough. This is challenging, man. This is tough. Like, but you know what? I'm here with you and I'm not going anywhere. And I'm going to, I'm going to get better. And I'm going to, I'm going to build my endurance and my resilience and we're going to, we're going to get more fit inside of this, inside of this game 
that we call life and the game that we call marriage. And we'll be, we'll be more resilient when crisis comes and things hit, you know, it's, it's just, for me, it, it just comes down to that personal commitment to myself, you know, like I'll, t- I'll tell you just um, from a personal note, like, you know, there was a time where we went through some real crisis, like where I was just wondering, like, if this is it, like, are we done? And it got to the point where like, I would wake up and I would ask myself, do I want to do this today? <laughs> like I, I would, I would literally ask myself that. And the answer was always yes. And I told myself, like, I'll keep asking myself until the answer changes. Right. But then after a while, I stopped asking myself the question because it, it, it eventually got out of that, that place where the crisis was kind of, you know, resolved itself. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful that like, I allowed myself to be really real and ask myself that question. Cause sometimes it, it gets, it gets that far. Right. But I think sometimes that, that is what it takes. Right. So when you say Damien, like it's exhausting, you know, like it's a hundred percent okay to like give yourself a gut check and just be like, you know, do I want to do this today? Understanding what it's going to take for you to do that today. And if it's a day at a time, you do that a day at a time. But here's the thing, man, a day at a time turns into 13 years, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that becomes the magic of how all this really works, you know. And so if you're with the right person and that and that person's, uh, you know, going to do their best to be there for you in whatever condition that they're in, sometimes they're not equipped to be there for you the way that you want them to. But if they're if you're at least seeing progress in how they're showing up for you. That's that was at least for me. That was my metric. I told my wife, I was like, you know, I need to see progress. I need to see growth in, in how we're coming together. But I also need to see growth in you and, and how and how you're handling this situation. And like it had to be a day by day situation. But like I loved that I said that because that's the standard that I have for myself, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. It, and when I when, when I have that standard for myself, I have no problem saying that to my wife. Right. But if I'm not living up to that and I'm asking her, that's un- that's unreasonable. So, um, you know, it, it it is it is it is a, a crazy thing, man. But I also think it's a beautiful thing, too, at the same time. It truly, truly is. And I know, Kiyosha, did you want to say anything? I know you're going to have to leave a little bit before we end. Is there anything that you wanted to add? Oh, my goodness. Can we have a part two? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh my god the only reason why i'm i'm jumping is because i have a workshop that i'm facilitating but i um and then i have to get out in the texas weather to to just weather the storm in these stores but i'm this is such a a great conversation hollis like i can't i seriously love i love moms right because we are moms and we can really identify with a lot of things that that we talk about, but I want to, and I know Hollis is the same way. We want to hear from dads. I love this space of just hearing what dads have to say, the perspective that you're coming from, from being a husband and a dad. It's just beautiful. I'm like, I'm going to be, if you put up a vote for a part two, I would be the first person to vote for a part two. <laughs> this is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And thank you so much for being so open. Yeah. No, thanks yeah. for, thanks for helping facilitate this conversation. You know, like I, I really want dads to know that, that, you know, 
we're out here, right? Like we're out here and what we're going through is real. And sometimes because it's not talked about enough, mm-hmm. it's just assumed what's going on. And that assumption is usually based on past reference, right? Pre, like prehistoric reference of what we have experienced as men or what others have experienced with, with, with their men, you know, in their lives, you know? And if we can just keep having these conversations where it's okay to like, express these things in the way that we can, I think it'll just, it'll just open up so much more opportunity for us to have a conversation where we all can get together and really realize that we want the same thing, right? We actually want the same thing. It's just how we uh, tend to go about it sometimes may not be in alignment. But like you said, it all boils down to the communication. And um, I really would, we're getting to the top of the hour, but we still have a little bit more time. I'd like to talk about love languages to touch Mm -hmm. on that because not everybody exactly knows what that is. Um, But then I also just kind of wanted to highlight again that the dynamics change when that human, um, just to reinforce, I guess, is that when you have a child, children, the dynamics change. And as they get older and as you're dealing with all these things that come up and um, we as individuals have had our own experiences and then here with this idea of marriage and when you put it in the in the context of how long the institution really is like i've never really thought about it in that way so thank you for that um but it's kind of like this this person has had this kind of experience this has had this kind of experience and then you're supposed to come together and all of a sudden get along yeah and and then you're like wait a minute which it all boils down to communication and everything but especially when you have a human now involved you're like why do you do that and then they're like, well, why do you do that? <laughs> like, or, <laughs> you know, I don't agree with you talking to the child in that way or teaching them that. Like, there's so many elements that come into play that you would never know when being all of a sudden becoming a parent. Yeah. And everything changes, right? Like, I, I, there's a lot of books out there, right, about parenting and, and what to expect and things like that. But, like, nothing ever replaces, like, the real experience because every person inside of every relationship with every child is different you know and and it's so different that there really can't be that much of a uh, this kind of generalized baseline right like you really got to have some structure to kind of figure it out but at the end of the day every situation is unique everyone doesn't have the same path in which they in, in which families are created either right and so it just it it, it creates a lot of complexities you know but exactly i think I think ultimately, like when I really think about, like if, for example, if like someone were to ask, like where do I start in kind of showing up again as a husband and and still being able to be present as a dad and 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 be maintaining you know work performance and things like that, the first thing I would say is just start communicating, mm-hmm. just start talking, right? Talk about what's going on. If you don't know even how to word it just make sure that you're in a space in which you can mess up what you're saying because you're trying to make it, you're trying to figure out what it is because you're talking about this for the first time out loud. Make sure that the person or who you're talking to can hold space for you knowing that you might say things that might sound weird or may come off, may be mis- that can be easily misinterpreted. But I think that is so key because if you don't have that space and then you're not free to talk, 
and you do say something that maybe you didn't mean to say, but you're just trying to figure out what to say, and then the other person gets on you because of that, right? it can make it really hard for you to want to feel like you can share, right? Yeah. But I would still say push through, right? Keep pushing through so that way you get to a place where you're not having this conversation with yourself or not having this conversation with yourself, right? Like I, I think it's important to have the conversation, period, but it's better to have that conversation with the person that you love and you're building a life with. Well, and I think it's also uh, like setting up the parameters within mm-hmm. a, within the space. So, you know, and I think it's like touching on this idea of love languages. And I had a whole other podcast specifically on love languages. And maybe we'll just kind of like touch on them real quickly to see, yeah. just to explain to people what that means. But it's like an understanding how your partner communicates. Um and making clear they know how you communicate, then it can be done in a better way. Uh, so if you stumble or if you say something that you didn't mean to say, and then you're like, oops, my bad, I didn't mean to, um, that they don't jump on you about it. You know, mm-hmm. there, there needs to be a space set up so um, it, it doesn't shut the other person down because that's not fair. Then you're not in a shared relationship. Then it's just only one-sided. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's, here's the thing, you know, like what, what we may not necessarily consider, and this is my, this is my belief. Uh, this is not, um, I don't think this is necessarily standardized, but how you receive communication might be different than how you uh, give off communication. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't really think about that, right? Someone might want to be told like it is right straight to the point, but when they talk, they might be a little bit more expressive with how they communicate, right? And, and so, and so, it's so important to understand the difference, right? So, even if we're talking about love languages, right? And I think the five love languages are quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, um, acts of service, and is it gifts? I always forget the last one. Did you already say gifts? If you didn't say yeah. gifts, it is gifts. Yeah, gifts, right? And so. Usually you have like a number one that's kind of burning and then you have like a secondary uh, language. But usually when those quizzes are given to you, it's in terms of what you like to receive, not necessarily what you like to give, right? Mm-hmm. And so now there's a way that you like to communicate. However, you have to make sure, to, you have to see is how you're communicating a love language, what your wife or your partner mm-hmm. wants to receive, right? Like if I'm trying to offer quality time because that's the way I communicate outwardly, but my wife needs physical touch. I could give her, I could, I could give her a vacation (laughs) and like, she won't be happy. Right. And, and, And I would be frustrated by that. And until I have that conversation and she lets me know, Hey, like I want physical touch. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like less quality time, more butt grabs, more hugs. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, at least I know that that's where I'm supposed to be going, right? She wants to hug, she wants to cuddle, she wants to be close. Like I'll give her that at the and and, and not and if I need to withdraw some quality time, she's more willing to allow that knowing that when I am with her, we're spending most of that time physically connecting, right? So having that understanding of not just how you receive love, but how you offer love and then if it's in alignment with how your partner receives love, this is where conversation comes in handy because you two can sit next to each other, take a quiz and basically give each other each other's phones of their results. 
And there you'll understand exactly how you need to communicate with her. And that's just like a baseline, right? There's so many different levels. Like when I work with my clients, there's like so many different levels that we, we work through, through character assessments and understanding communication that allows you to really know how to talk to your partner the way that she needs to be talked to, you know? And so, um, but this is a good way to get started in understanding that a little bit more. It's, we're just scratching the surface, everybody, on all of this. And and all of this in talking about being a dad, being a husband, like in, right now and talking about how to be partners um, affects the children. So, because uh, they see it, like you said in the beginning, for your daughter, it's, you know, it's wanting to be a role model to be able to present so she can have not just with um, intimate relationships, but with men in her life to be able to see a man in a certain way. And you want to be able to show that in a positive light. So when we communicate with our partner, our children are mirroring <laughs> yeah, and, and taking that in um, and digesting it and however they, they digest it. So, okay. So in digesting everything that we just said, um, Thomas, can you please tell everybody how they can connect with you? Yes. Um, if you are a dad out there who, you know, is struggling and, and you heard something from this conversation that really resonated and you'd like to learn how you can get your swag and your wife back to, to save your marriage and keep your family together, I'm offering a, a, actually a free one-on-one -on -one conversation where I can walk you through the process of how you can do that for yourself. And so you can just go to themarriagewingman.com slash podcast and you can sign up there. Otherwise, you can find me on most social media at Thomas H. Edwards Jr. That's uh, Thomas H. Edwards, letters J-R. And I look forward to connecting with each and every one of you. And Hollis, thank you so much for, for having me on here. This was such a pleasure. Oh, my gosh. Such an inspired conversation. I so appreciate you. And um, this space, this is what it's all about, is starting these conversations. And we are going to be launching our website uh, which is, um, this is the website right here. Is this the one? Yep. Um, it wasn't in the manual, the art of parenting your own way, uh, to get on the mailing list and be in the loop. Uh, we are launching it next Friday, April 28th, uh, with a forum space and other, um, things to be able to be involved in. So we can, um, talk and ask questions and get feedback and all of this. That's why we're doing this. We're not a traditional space. We're about asking, you know, how many people have dropped their kids or, you know, what do you, how do you have the conversations about sex or any of this kind of stuff that comes up in all these various stages in life. Um, and a lot of it's really funny, actually. There's a <laughs> lot of humor in all of it. Uh, so get on the mailing list and um, we just so appreciate you wherever you are. We know that you could be doing anything with your hour and we so appreciate you spending the time with us. So wherever you are listening in the world, we wish you a good morning, a good afternoon and a good evening. Please like, follow, share all of that good stuff and get these conversations out there. So good night, everybody. Well, that was an inspiring conversation. This space is all about exploring the topics of parenthood that you will not find in any book, but it is real life experiences from all different experiences from parents. Our website will be launching in January, 2023. So to get on the mailing list and be in the loop with all that is being created for you, just go to 
it wasn't in the manual at gmail.com. There is no manual, which is the adventure. Be talking to you soon. Thank you.